This is the Ezra Podcast. I'm trying to do this bad boy on 14% of my phone. I think I did this a little before, but I feel like it's just going to turn off mid. Excellent point. But I'm going to give it a shot. Big fight weekend. Big event. And that's the thing that probably I see people talking about. It's like we're getting past now champions, right? Which I never thought mattered, right? I never thought like these bouts matter. If they're going to make five of them, why do any of them matter? If they're going to have mandatory versus, versus guys that just play the game for that bout in that ranking system, why does it matter? It's never mattered to me, right? But I've always had that rule. It's never mattered to me. But guys that have not said that, right? The guys that were giving Ryan Garcia uh, all this, giving him all this, uh, you know, talking all this trash on Ryan Garcia because he wouldn't fight Devin Haney, even though he was a mandatory for his belt. We're saying he was dodging him and that he should, why doesn't he want the belt? Haney's the champ or whatever. But now, right, the tank's not going to fight Josh Taylor, which I never thought that would happen. Now the belts don't matter. Now Josh Taylor's belt don't matter. It doesn't matter. I just want people to call it fair. I want them to call it fair. That's all I ask. Just call it fair. Call it what it is, but call it fair. And I've always said the belts don't matter in boxing. Until you have one belt, none of them matter. If you have more than one, then we got none. But let's get to the Javante Davis fight, which was the biggest fight of the weekend, no doubt about it. Javante Davis is a star. It kind of stuck up on me. I didn't know Javante Davis was as big of a star. I knew it from the last fight, but I didn't know. I didn't know before that. I did not think Javante Davis was that huge of a star. I didn't. I knew he was an excellent fighter, but I didn't know he had like this this backing behind him. I didn't know he could sell out like this. Um, this is just. I don't know who who to give this credit to. Is it, you know, is it like a, what is that called like? Grassroot is it a grassroot buildup, right, for Javante Davis, or is it Floyd Mayweather's thinking? Is it PBC? I'm sure it's a mixture of everything. Javante Davis looks he, he, Javante Davis looks like a star. Like his look, the the way he puts it together, everything. He looks like like he stands out when you see Javante Davis. His fighting style stands out. His uh, his fighting style is extremely star making, fast with power, knockout ability. Every time he lands a shot, it could be over. Um, personality wise, I, I think he's like real cool. Like he's 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 really cool. Like a calm. I wouldn't say like that really stands out. Like where you're like, oh wow, I need to hear this guy talk, or I didn't want to hear what he's gonna say in the press conference. He doesn't really have that. He just has everything else. Some guys just have it. They just have that it factor, which people can't explain. You know, if people could explain it, they would you know, be able to do it all the time. But this is the battle that the UFC, boxing, and WWE, and in movies and Hollywood, everything have, is finding the guy with the it factor. And boxing found one with Tank Davis. And going into this fight with Tank, the reason why he's fighting Mario Barrios is because he couldn't find another opponent that made sense in Tank's weight class. Because Tank's really 135, and he's kind of a small 135. But he's at 140 in this fight. Dude, because there's no there's no one there to fight. There's in the PBC, they don't have anyone. So they had to get creative with this one. And it was it was a smart move they did. I'm not saying this is a bad matchup or not saying it was one-sided. I'm just saying it was a smart move. If you had no options, this was the perfect fight to pick. Credit to the PBC, credit to Mayweather. Credit to them taking that chance with this fight. Because this fight was a chance. It was a risk, this fight. 
I knew that going in. Bars is a big 140, and he's not unskilled, and he's not one-dimensional. And I think that if you – usually when guys take this opportunity, like I said, if you hear the noise in the background, you know who it is. It's Atticus. And he's against me the whole way. He is not on my side for this podcast. And Atticus is my dog if you're new to this. And right now he has a Frisbee. And that's the loudest toy he could have picked. They're soft, squishy stuff. You know what I mean? It doesn't make a noise. But he's got a Frisbee. He's throwing it against the wall right now. He is an animal. And beyond just like him actually being an animal, no, he's an animal. I'm going to have to take this Frisbee away from him. I realize that now. And that's just going to piss him off even more. But with Tank and them taking this chance with Barrios, usually when a guy moves up to these weight classes like this, right, and then go up a few weight classes that are not, I take that Frisbee from him. I had to. Do I feel good about it? No. But that's the loudest damn toy he could have picked. Usually a guy goes to a weight class like this. It's against a guy that's, you know, one-dimensional, comes forward, plotting, hittable, um, doesn't have many other aspects to his game, big defensive flaws. They didn't choose a guy like that. They chose a big guy who's a smart fighter, who's able to do multiple things in the ring, has good leg movement, uh, pinpoint puncher. They chose a guy with skill. Why did they do that? Because they knew that this guy would sell. They knew that if you matched him up with Davis, right, and he had the height, and he had the undefeated record, and he had the trainer, and he had some what of credibility, that's how the fight sells. Because I don't believe Tank, before this fight, maybe after this fight he is, but I don't think before this fight he was at the point where you could put him against anybody and it could be pay-per-view. I don't believe that. And if they wanted to keep him pay-per-view, it had to be an opponent that people thought he could lose to. And that's where Barrios came in. And Barrios is Mexican, and he has that crowd with him. So we get to the fight, right? And as I, I, what I said the fight is that Tank had to do something early, right? He had to hurt him early. He had to create a lot of damage early for uh, and probably get him out of there early to avoid the second half of the fight because I was worried about uh, Tank's gas tank. I was worried about if he had gotten to the shape that he usually gets into at 130, if he's at 140, and it's not that hard to get to that weight class for him. But it, the fight didn't go exactly that way. It didn't. Tank was more patient. He gave up a lot of early rounds, in my mind. Now, maybe not to train, not to the judges' mind. Maybe not to the people watching at home. The, you know, people on Twitter. I, a lot of people had Tank winning. I, 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 I didn't in this fight. I did not have him winning. I thought he gave up a lot of rounds. I thought he was very patient. I, I think that there was, you know, some strategy to it. Some was just he was being too picky with his shots. I think the size part of it too was made it a little bit trickier for him to figure out, like getting the distance that he needs because tank is is small like i said he's small for 135 he's short he has short arms and barrios was just able to keep him at the end of his punches and he was and he's pretty good with his legs so it's not like you can just easily walk him down he adjusts pretty well so tank just took a lot it took 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 some rounds to figure out what was going on and then when he started landing he had the favor of the crowd right so when he landed it looked devastating and it sounded devastating and that's a big thing with the judges is the sound devastating because you could see Barrios doing stuff, but it wasn't really no crowd behind it, no crowd noise. And then when Tank did something, the crowd erupted. So it's like already created as if what he did was bigger than it, maybe than it actually was or just adding a highlight to what he did, right? It just stays in your memory like, oh, man, the crowd's going crazy. It reminds me like sometimes in basketball, right, like the home team. And, like, they hit, like, two threes in a row, and the crowd just goes crazy, and they just call it the, the, the away team calls a timeout, right? 
And then, like, say, like, the score is, like, it's 0-0. And then, or let's say 50-50, right? And then the the home team, you the away team hits a three, it's silent in the arena. The home team goes hits a three, right? The crowd's going crazy. The away team goes hits a three, silent. Home team goes gets a dunk. Now, the home, the, and the crowd is going, all you dunk, crowd's going crazy. Now, the home team is, I mean, the away team is still in the lead, by that, right? They hit three threes. The other team hit two and a dunk. Right? So there's still one point lead on there. But the crowd's going crazy. It's insane. But luckily, they keep score that you can see at the bottom. Even though the crowd's going crazy and you feel like, well, this guy must, this team must be winning because the crowd's going insane. You have the score right there to tell you what it is because they're keeping track of it. Not going off what the, the crowd's doing. Sometimes the box, we don't have that. Right? And there's fighters that benefit from it. Pacquiao's benefited from it. Um, Mayweather at times. Uh, Javante Davis is benefiting from it. And it's like when Javante would do something, the crowd's going crazy. So he, he must be winning the fight. That's what it feels like. That's what it feels like. It's just natural. The human, that's what it feels like. And I think that's what happened. Where like Barrios had lost rounds in people's mind and in the judge's mind. But I thought he was doing damn good. I thought he was winning. I thought Tank gave up a lot of rounds. But when Tank had finally figured out the distance, right? Uh, he started figuring out how to cut the distance, at what range to punch, uh, Barrio started like kind of wilting a little bit. Then Tank just kind of showed his stardom, showed showed why he's an elite fighter. It's because his abilities, right? Like defensively, Tank is okay. He's not a great defensive fighter. I know that he has moves that make him seem like he's a better defensive defensive fighter than he is, but he's not. He's hittable. Tank's hittable. Tank gets hit and fights. But when you're p- putting more offense on Tank, you're giving him more opportunities to put you away because tank's one of the best counter punchers in boxing because of his balance so when tank had started figuring out his distance and then Barros had to kind of like try to get him off him and he started getting out a little bit out of his game right a little bit not out of his game but let's it's a little bit more out of control not with the same composure he had earlier in the fight tank just really started putting it on him and tank's power is elite it came to 140 i was curious if how was the power gonna be at 140 it it was there. It was. He was probably one of the. He's probably one of the hardest hitting guys at one forty now. Just, just in that fight alone, just the way he touched Barrios and Barrios was just. It looked like he had never been hit like that in his life, and he probably hadn't. So Tink drops him the eighth. Big shot. He like. Uh, uh, he kind of comes like with a right. He kind of goes like a right hook to the body. He looks like it's gonna go to the body, but he kind of brings it up, and it kind of it comes up right over the shoulder. Boom! Hits him. Drops Barrios. Barrio gets up, hurt. Tank jumps all over him. Tank, you know, really goes for the finish. Barrios fights back. Tank kind of has to take the next round off, but it's still kind of back and forth. Next round, still chasing him. And then in the next round, he he lands a vicious body shot. And you knew as soon as he landed the body shot, like, this bad boy's done. Barrios uh, gets up again. And just hit, gets hit with a vicious, vicious left hand. Ends the fight. It's over. Tank is one of those guys where he has that ability. His balance, his counter punching, and his power is going to make it hard for anyone to beat him. And at any point of the fight, even if you have a huge lead, which I felt Barrios had a, at least a decent lead until he got you know dropped. And I thought he had won the uh, next two rounds. But once he got stopped, even if you had that lead, even if you feel like you're controlling the whole fight, it, Tank can always finish you. And now he's in shape even at 140. 
He's got a state, uh, strength and conditioning. Now, he looks small in the fight, yes. I don't think that he should stay at 140. I don't think that's the best idea. Or if they do, they're going to have to be very picky on the opponents, right? I don't think 147 is an actual option. Even though that I, on uh, Twitter and Instagram, I'm predicting that 147 might be his next fight. Just because they don't have no opponents. But everything I'm seeing is Tank is that he's in elite form here. There's no more questions. I'm not questioning I'm not going to question Tank's cardio anymore. He showed me that. Right? He showed me that I was there at 140. Which it's tougher for him to get in shape at 140 than it is at 130. Because at 130 he has to cut the weight. So he's going to have to be in shape to get there. Not questioning Tank's power anymore. Which I never did. But it's elite power. It's elite power. It's both hands... His balance is so damn good. Like, the power is good, but the balance he has to get any shot off at any moment is what really is special about Tank. His legs and his adjustments to the balance to get the shots, it's next level. It's It might be better than anyone I've ever seen. Like I said, defensively, he's hittable. Right? He is. He, he Defensively, he has good moves, and then he has some where he just... He gets caught with some, with some shots. It's not Floyd Mayweather defense here. It's not. So now the question is, where do you go with Tank from here? Stanionis is my prediction, right, at 147. Now from things I'm hearing, stuff I said Mayweather said after and the Tank said, I don't, 47 didn't sound like something they were going towards, but I just don't see where else they go. Someone said Gary, I seen a Sunday Puncher was, uh, Lex said, uh, Gary Russell. Maybe, right? But I think Gary Russell would need a need a fight at 130, a decent fight at 130 to set that up with him and Gervonta. I honestly think they might have to go to 147. And Stanionis makes sense because Stanionis is not elite. Um, he's got an entertaining style. He's going to come for Tank, right? So Tank's not going to have to go chase him. Uh, it's not the most you know technical guy. He's not a counterpuncher. Like he's kind of just like a one-dimensional guy. So that'd be perfect for Tank. Because you don't want to get him in a skills competition at the gets his higher weights. They did that kind of in this one, and it was tough. It was a tough fight for him. It was risky, right? You don't want to get him that 147. At 147, you want him a guy that he could find. And the question is just going to be, can he withstand what that guy's offering, and can that guy withstand what he's offering? But he's going to be able to find him. With Barrios, it was... These kind of fights don't hurt you. Like, even though Barrios got dropped, all those things, he's more known now. Right, he's more credible now. When he fights next, people are gonna know who Mario Barros is, and they're gonna know the next time he fights. And this performance was good for him, even in a loss. Like that's what I'm saying. When these guys do all these tune-up fights, and then they keep fighting nobodies, and they're they just that's their career. It doesn't make sense to me. Like for Barrios to lose this fight, if he goes on and goes on like a five-fight win streak, right? It, you're gonna remember him being like, oh, he was in there tough with Tank. And people think, like, these fights can't happen again. These fights can very easily happen again. Look at the co-main event. Is Erickson Lubin beating uh, Jensen Rosario, which I'll talk about, right? If you would have saw, said after Lubin was destroyed by Charlo, you, and you would have said, oh, they're going to rematch eventually at some point, you'd be like, you're out of your mind. This, these things like this, as a fighter, they have to know that these things turn quickly. Like, what people think of you at one point or a bad loss and everything, they, they could go, you could come back around, right? As long as you get get some good wins, um, get people believing in you again, capture the imagination of the audience again, 
you could come back and Bartos could fight Tank later on down the future. So I think Mario Bartos, this didn't hurt him. It helped him in his career. I think he should take a little break, come back at, uh, I would hope this weight. I think they're saying 147. He hasn't really done anything at this weight. I think he should come back at this weight and get another mid-level guy and then start building again and get right back to that level because I think he has a talent. Um, he doesn't have that one quality that's like elite that separates him, but he if he's the kind of guy that maybe he puts it all together. He's so committed. He's so on his craft that he just hits that form and maybe later on in his career, you know what I mean? But I don't think this hurt him in any way. Business-wise, this did not hurt him. He probably got paid good for this fight. Now he goes into the next fight as a name. People know who he is. He's the guy that wants a war with maybe the fight of the year. How could that hurt you? Better than just fighting, you know, the opening card of a pay-per-view. I think this is, I think this is a bigger deal. This lost it. I don't think hurt him. Let's get to Lomachenko. Lomachenko, right, was in a similar, kind of similar situation to Tank Davis. Fighting a bigger man uh, who has some skills, who was in there tough with Teofimo Lopez, right? And Lomachenko is, uh, at this point of his career, has had all the stocks sold on him. For some reason, he's a fraud, according to some people. And I just don't see it. And you know why? Because skills don't lie. That's why, like, you have to really watch these fights. And I think that sometimes people just just want things to be true, but they're not true. And with Lomachenko, it's just, it's not, they're not, ESPN isn't hyping him up and lying to you when he gets these wins. They're not. It's just not happening. He's really doing these things in the ring. He really is capable of doing these things. And that Teofimo fight, I know, you know, Teofimo won. I'm okay with that. But I had it a draw. And he did put it on Teofimo in the second half of that fight. And in this fight, right, Nakatani, when people were picking up, they kept saying, watch the upset, watch the upset on this. And that was the trendy pick of the week. I knew it just was not an option. That's why I bet big on it, right, with the fake money real bet. Because Lomachenko does everything Nakatani messes up on. Lomachenko is so damn good that he will figure it out. Lomachenko could do everything in the ring. Defensively, he's elite. Offensively, he's elite. Movement-wise, elite. Mentally, heart, conditioning, everything. He does it all. He covers all the bases, right? He's not faking this. This isn't fake. This isn't overhyped. This is a guy that came from 122 pounds all the way to 135 and is still an elite level every step of the way. Nakatani had no chance in this fight. I knew that going in. Nakatani is good when you stand in front of him. But as soon as you turn him, as soon as you start giving him feints and make him start guessing with his hands, I knew Lomachenko was going to put it on him. I didn't know that Lomachenko would have the power to put him out. He ended up doing that. And he did it purely off skill. Not off power. He did it off skill. He threw it off moving this guy's legs where he couldn't take punches. This was... A wake-up performance. Now, it's overshadowed by what Tank did because Tank's a bigger star. I give him that. Tank is a bigger star, right? But Lomachenko might be the better fighter. And I would love for these guys to fight. It's probably not going to happen, unfortunately. But Lomachenko is the most skilled 135 guy in the world. Tank hits the hardest. Tank could be the fastest. Probably between, you know, Tiafimo and Ryan Garcia are extremely fast as well. Um, Ryan Garcia hits like a ton of bricks too. 
he could probably be debatable with Tank, but Tank's power went to 140. Like, and that was clear as day. I haven't, well, I would have to see Ryan do that for me to say that he has more power than Tank, but Ryan is a close number two. But no one has the all-around package Lomachenko has. The only disadvantage he has is he's smaller than everyone at 135. Besides Tank Davis. But Tank Davis is knocking out 140s. If he hits Lomachenko, that's where we're all going to be curious. If he lands Lomachenko, is it over from that point? And what's Lomachenko's game plan going to be with the power of Tank Davis? Is he going to pressure him? Is he going to stay on the outside? You know what I mean? The uh, With Tank Davis's balance... And Lomachenko trying to circle around him, I still think Tank will be in, will be able to get, land some pretty decent shots. I want to see that fight. It doesn't seem like the promotions have any interest in that fight. I think they're going to wait for Lomachenko to age out. And the unfortunate thing, right, is that Lomachenko is older than these guys. So a lot of these guys could just wait and let him age out. But it seems like Lomachenko is going to get Tiafimo next. If Tiafimo could get through the thriller fight, which I expect him to. If, you know, everything's good with this COVID situation. And that's probably the biggest fight at 135. It's funny that Tank's the biggest star, but I don't think he'll have the biggest fight at 135. I think Lomachenko, Tifimo rematches. I think the first one was bigger, you know, as far as, let's just say all around. Not event-wise, I'm just saying, like, all around, if you're doing uh, views, if you're doing... Uh, people's awareness if you're doing what it really means for the rankings and that weight class it's the biggest fight it's the the biggest fight you can make now it's not going to do the pay-per-view the most pay-per-view sales not not any of that but you can't we can't do everything off pay-per-view sales right logan paul and floyd mayweather short million that doesn't do anything for boxing so i can't do everything on pay-per-view sales the point is to make good money but the point is also to find out who the best boxer is and 135 lomachenko and tfimo are gonna the winner of that is gonna own that division because those are the two best guys that are willing to fight each other and can't fight each other with the promotion now tank like i said he's gonna be a situation where he's probably gonna have to go weight classes way above his or fight guys that you know what i mean it's gonna have to give the guys some kind of advantage for the people to buy the pay-per-view for people to think this is a reasonable matchup and Lomachenko, fortunately, has Tiafimo. Now they fight again, right? And the winner's more clear this time. Where do they go from there? That's a whole other question. That's a whole other question. But at least he has a clear matchup going forward. And I, if everyone that was selling the Tiaf- Lomachenko stock and everything like that, they've been real quiet this weekend about Lomachenko because Lomachenko looked amazing. Against an opponent that people were picking to upset him. The people thought he was going to make struggle against. He looked better than ever. On the undercard of Tank Davis, you had Jensen Rosario versus Erickson Lubin. And Erickson Lubin, like I said, was knocked out by Charlo. And people thought, well, they brought him up too soon. He's ruined now. And boxing has changed. Over the years, maybe that possibly would have happened. right? He would have got knocked out in that fight and he would have been really a hard hard road back it would have been like you had to go fight overseas on on televised you know american televised events that probably would happen like in the 90s early 2000s but now because there's so many things guys need to keep their fighters even if they lose the only one's not doing that is top rank top rank is still stuck like an old model of hbo showtime but pbc is not doing that pbc knows that they could bring a guy back they know if they match him correctly they know if he has the talent they shouldn't give up on him and luckily they didn't do that with erickson lubin and Erickson Lumen, style has changed. He's not as aggressive as he once was, right? He's definitely more a defensive fighter, 
more of a boxer. And that's what I thought was going to happen in this fight. And I predicted this fight down to a T. Besides the fact that I did not think that Lugo was going to get the stoppage. I thought he'd get a decision. But I predicted that he would hurt Rosario. I predicted that he would dominate early. He would control the fight defensively. And then Rosario would make an adjustment, which he did. And the adjustment was that he wasn't giving Lubison so much to work with. He kind of was just like walking him down, hands up tight. And they got him in a range where he landed a stiff jab and hurt Lubin. So both guys got hurt. And I said exactly that. I said both guys would get hurt in this fight. Both guys have to survive. And then Lubin was right out to a decision. But Lubin didn't do that. Lubin work, started working Rosario's body. He started... Uh, making Rosario uh, put shots out there. And when he started getting Rosario to the body, it was over from there. And Lumen got the stoppage that on a big night with a lot of views that he needed to put him really now in that level where he should be next for the title. If, I, if I'm being, in my personal opinion, if I'm being honest, what I feel, right? I don't see anyone else at 154. I know people are saying 154 is stacked. I don't really think it is that much anymore. I think it, it could be very much soon again, a new uh, a new batch of fighters. But I think that the guys that were contenders for a while are really out their way out. You got Jared Hurd, um, J-Rock, uh, Rosario. There's one more guy I'm missing. But, um, yeah, and I think that those guys, I don't I don't see them contending for a long time. I think that it's going to probably go south for a lot of those guys now. I think that they're on the back end of it. And that's what happens in these weight classes. They kind of just, like, flesh out. And I think that Erickson Lubin, to me, is the most credible threat. Now, Lubin was hurt in this fight, so now he has a questionable chin. We, 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 know, we went in thinking, like, could he get past that? But he's been hurt in his last two fights. Against Terrell Gushau, who's I wouldn't consider, like, that heavy of a hitter, right? Heavy puncher. And then Rosario, which is a heavy puncher, but you kind of heard about the jab. So I think Lubin's chin is definitely questionable. And the thing, Jermell Charlo, who's very fast, very powerful, very all-around fighter. But I think to me, is like how durable he is. He might just be the best guy in this weight class just strictly on how durable he is. Because Eric Lubin is talented. He's very talented. He could be just as talented as Charlo, honestly, if not more. But the durability, how much can he take? He, he could take a lot. I mean, uh, Char Charlo could take a lot. And Lupin is very questionable. So I think Lupin's going to have to really perfect this this defensive style that he has. And he can't have no lapses, especially against Charlo. So that makes fight, you know, that sometimes it makes a guy more interesting when he has those lapses, uh, those weaknesses like that. But He's just gonna. I say he's just gonna wait. See how Charlo and Castano play out. I think he should be next for the title. I think if you put him in with any other guys, I still would favor him to win. Anyone else at this weight, just maybe not. You know, Fondoro, who I think that they're still building up. I think that would be like a tough matchup for him, especially because Fondoro is so long, hits hard, and puts a lot of pressure. But Eric Lubin is damn good defensively, getting better. Um, everything he did in this fight, I really liked. I thought it was a, a very good fight. Very entertaining, very good matchups. These are the kind of matchups we need. These kind of matchups that boxing, you know, really puts boxing on the elite level it should be, right? As a, like, makes it viewable, makes it enjoyable, makes it being able to talk about. These are the kind of fights to do it. And Lubin proved that he's right there back. And after all the loss and everything, he had earned his way back. And I, I, I want to see a rematch with Charlo. I think that that would sell, even how, even though how the, the first time it ended. I still think that fight is sellable. It's a main event, possibly a pay-per-view, and I want to see it. And I hope Lubin gets that shot next. Let's get to my 
Uh, oh, let's talk about real quick. Gain versus Volkov. And that's so why I told you the fight was going to happen. Gain could just do more. He's more dynamic as a striker, more dynamic with his movement. Um, didn't have any takedowns this fight, which he, he will go for from from time to time. He's not afraid and to, you know, use that weapon to at least open up other weapons for him. Now, was it the most entertaining fight? No, right? But it was... Sometimes those fights, like, have you diminish a guy? They think that you would think, like, well, it wasn't that impressive, so what is the hype on him? And I was very impressed with it. I, I thought he put take Volkov completely out of his game, right? And I think Volkov had some false confidence with those leg kicks that weren't really doing anything to gain. And now I know that we're at the leg kick part of MMA where, like, leg kicks, leg kicks, leg kicks. But you have to really, like, I think someone is going to have to tell him, like, you know, the leg kicks aren't really effective right now. And we got to start adding something else to the offense. Because he was landing them, he just was like, I'm just going to keep this. And he just was losing the fight. He was landing leg kicks, but losing the fight. And they weren't effective. They didn't build on anything. They didn't help him diminish gain later. They just didn't. And gain was, like I said, the more dynamic fighter. But also, like, the footwork, the lightness on the feet. Um, I did notice, like, some limitations, like, as far as, like, getting on the inside of Volkov, right? Uh, he was able to, like, Volkov was able to land a jab. I thought he could have worked more on that. He thought he should have let his hands definitely go more. There was a point where DC said, like, he needs to make the fight uglier. That's what he said. And I didn't agree with that. Like, I don't know what that means. So sometimes they, they say things like this. I just think it's kind of like lazy talk, right? To say, like, he needs to make the fight uglier. Like, no, he just needs to throw punches with good technique and try to land them. That's what, I don't know what the, how that makes the fight uglier. Like, to me, to make the fight uglier means, like, you're going to, like, maul the guy against the fence, put your hand over his mouth. Um, you know what I mean? Like, uh, smother him. I don't think Volkov needed to smother him in this fight. No, I thought he just needed to take some chances with his hands. Use them when they're, you know, when he has all this reach and gains kind of, like, messing with him at the, like, just at the edge of his distance. He, he's got to jab and throw, uh, you know, some straights there. You know what I mean? He's got to take some chance he just completely took himself out of the game like and i thought that the leg kicks really kind of threw off his whole thing because he was landing that and then once that wasn't like really doing anything it was just kind of like i committed to that game plan now i gotta switch it up and it was too late and gain took control and by the time i'm doing this podcast the news broke that gain's gonna get an interim title shot against um against uh derrick lewis i wanted to say derrick henry but derrick lewis which is i, I don't know okay even if nagano's hurt I don't understand why is it interim title shot. Why are we having this? I, I don't get that. I don't. I truly don't. That's corruption to me. We talk about boxing and the ballots, and there's so many ballots and so many corruption. This is corruption. Are we really going to respect one of these guys at the heavyweight as the heavyweight champ when the other guy just won it? We just seen him win it, and it's not has is hasn't been out a year, hasn't been out two years, hasn't been playing games or anything like that. He just cannot make this fight right. Three months ago, we're going to recognize another guy as the champ. Like are I, to me, that diminishes the belts, and that's the one thing the UFC has, is they have belts that actually mean something. They have rankings that actually mean something. And when they do that, to me, that's risky because it seems like they're diminishing the product of what they have. There's no need for an interim champ, and none of these guys deserve to be champ unless they beat Nagano, who is clearly the champ. And why would you want to diminish Nagano? It doesn't make sense to me. I don't know why. I think they feel that they need that to make a main event um happen right so you say like it's a heavyweight interim title but it's a stupid trick it's dumb i think if you just put these two guys as the main event the winner gets nagano i think you could have still sold it i don't think you needed to do this cheap trick and diminish the heavyweight title like that or make a number one contenders belt why don't we have that then 
just don't lose interim, lose the heavyweight champion, just make a number one contender's belt. Just be like, this guy that owns this, right, is the number one contender to the title. This is the belt. And like, say the champ can't fight again for the next one, right? Then then you could think about doing the interim if it's like over a year, right? Or not interim, just strip the guy at the belt and be like, hey, I'm sorry, we have to remove this from you, you're not fighting. And then make the one champ at one time. Or have the guy defend the number one contender's belt. I don't understand what the interim thing. I just to me it's just it's just nonsense. And now we're gonna have a thing where it's like, well, this guy was champ, but he was interim champ. Right? Because that's like I believe what Poirier was. Poirier was an interim champ. Uh, are we gonna uh, say that that is equal to what Khabib was, the lightweight champ, or Connor was the lightweight champ? Do we recognize Connor was the um Featherweight champ when he beat Mendes, or was he the featherweight champ when he beat Aldo? I just don't like the dimension of the belts, and I think the UFC has a really big advantage that they have one belt that means something. When they do cheap, cheap tricks like this, I, 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 I can't get on their side with it. Let's get to the results of my fake money real bets. I bet Lomachenko a million dollars at minus fourteen hundred. Um, that's where the odds were when I did this the Wednesday. Uh, last week they were fourteen hundred. I seen some were thirteen hundred. Seen some seventeen hundred. Seen some eighteen hundred. Fourteen hundred, nice in the middle. One seventy one k. I'm now at a one point five million seven hundred uh seven seventy nine thousand. I was you know I did have tank on here too the the thing, but I just wasn't. I was curious about the size. I was curious about the power. He proved all that. Tank proved all the power and size. I should have bet that, but that's all right. And I had gain too. I was feeling good about that. I'll take the Lomachenko. I'll take the sure money. Like I said, I just want to double your money. I'm getting close. This has been the Ezra Podcast.